Testing, testing, check, check. Testing, mic check. Yes, I'm here. Not on the cover, but I'm here. Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and along with me is... Jonathan Pritchett. Doesn't quite rank the thumb anymore, but I'm here. And we are glad that you are with us on this uh, wonderful... uh, Labor Day. Labor Day. Where we are laboring at the office on Labor Day. Yeah. Never a day off for us. And so, you know... I wasn't sure anybody would be here to actually, if you, you know, I've done a couple of responses about this debate on Flower's show and somebody else's show, I think. And so I thought, I don't know if anybody's going to show up or not, but here you are. Yeah, so, Flowers God. is having another debate on Calvinism. He doesn't do that very often. So, <laughs> so a couple of things. Uh, excited to know that the Unapologetic Apologist has become a channel member. I thought you already were, but that's awesome. Thank you so much. And I see here John Buck. $5 super Woo-hoo! chat. Thank you so much, John Buck. Haven't listened to the debate yet, so we'll be watching this later. Just wanted to say I've been looking forward to it and wanted to give my thanks. Well, I hope you Thank think you. it went well, John Buck. Uh, glad that you're here. Watch this and you won't have to watch the debate. And John Buck also says that LOL Jonathan's sass. Um, all right, so let's jump into this pretty quick yeah the other show was the bible Brodown. how could i have forgotten the bible Brodown? well i'll tell you why it's because i recorded that right after the debate which is about a month ago the debate just went live on friday so yeah. i forgot about that but yeah go check out the bible Brodown. yeah this debate's old for us we've all heard it <laughs> <laughs> also i want to say another thing uh first of all if you like to support what we're doing here you can, you can help us out at patreon.com slash Trinity Radio or by giving a super chat. We certainly appreciate that. As we say a lot of times, if you're the kind of person that might buy us a cup of coffee or in Pritchett's case, some kind of fruity tea or something, 
then uh, maybe... I drink coffee now. Maybe you I did start drinking coffee. Oh, okay. With lots of cream. Yeah, if you want to pay for Jonathan's I went from I went from never coffee to the cappuccinos, and then I went from cappuccino to, like, coffee with lots of cream. No sugar, but lots of cream. That's like what... Uh, that's like what little 13 year old boys drink right. when they're trying to get into coffee. Yeah. But, I, I don't um, care for that much, but it does wake you up. But, but listen, so you can help us out there at patreon.com slash Trinity radio. Um, so, Hey, also check out the Genesis series. I, I know it's not, it's obviously not going to be as big of a hit with people that are just here for apologetics, but you don't need to be here just for apologetics. Whether you're an atheist, a Christian or something else, you, you ought to try to understand what the Bible has to say. And the Genesis series already has 30 something hours. I'm, I'm not going to spend too much more time hey, on chat, this right though. now. Um, I do want to say thank you to Jen Wesley for the super chat. I really appreciate that, but I, I, I hate to read this message. I recently lost my faith, but still love the channel. Well, thanks for the love. But if we look around, we might be able to find it somewhere. It, it I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be lost forever. So keep watching. Nothing has been done that can't be undone until um, you die. Yeah. That, so far you, we will, we, but I appreciate the, the charitable yes. approach there. Yeah. Okay, so I had a debate with Dan Barker. Now, let me say a couple of things about this. This was exciting because, number one, I remember like back in the early 2000s when I uh, really, uh, thank you, Daniel, for putting the Patreon link there. Um, I remember I, all my heroes would go on unbelievable Christian radio, right? I mean, that, that was like the apologetics program. Um, you could watch debates that would show up like on Apologetics 315 or something, but if you wanted to, the other place that you could get stuff reliable that would be good was unbelievable with Justin Brierly. And um, so, you know, I always wanted to be on there. And I also wanted to debate or discuss with Dan Barker. I, I've always, you know, he's one of the guys that when I first got into apologetics was debating all my heroes and stuff. And, and I've always thought, I, I think, I think that I could say something about some of what he's saying there. And so, uh, so I'm glad that it all worked out. So that was kind of like the realization of two dreams for me going on unbelievable and debating Dan Barker. Um, thank you, Benjamin Handelman for the super chat. Uh, Pritchett is my inspiring you are his inspiring Pritchett. Yes. Inspiring Pritchett. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, thank you for that. We greatly appreciate. So, um, yeah, so, so it was pretty cool, and uh, I liked that. But then the, the topic of the debate, I was asked by Justin to debate the nature of human freedom. And, uh, and so, you know, where typically I try, to, I try to have debates that are more specifically targeting uh, well, if it's a theological issue, then there's that. But like with skeptics, I tried to focus on does the Christian God exist or something of that sort. But when Justin Brierley says, I'd like you to debate this topic, you debate that topic. Yeah. And so uh, even if you don't know anything about it, you just but make it for, up. Right? But fortunately, I didn't have to make too much up because I didn't make anything up <laughs> because I have some familiarity with uh with this already and um and you did have to and you put some money in dan's pocket because you bought his book i bought his it. book read his book three times read the uh oxford handbook on free will um uh all of it all 670 pages or whatever it is and um uh and and you know uh a few other books alfred melee a bunch of journal articles and things like that so I really feel like, you know, the great thing about debates for me, Pritchett, I, I know that you just naturally learn all the time. It just it just comes osmosis, by osmosis, man. Uh, but with me, I, I have to try to learn. And when I have a debate coming, it uh, 
it, it, that pushes me forward in some areas. Well, so, learn and relearn, reread things you read five years ago. Yeah, like yeah. That, yeah. And so that's what this debate did for me. Thank you, Seeking the Narrow Way. I greatly appreciate that. It says you just started the Genesis series and yeah. you thank us for all we do. Yeah, I really do appreciate that. That's Making me look bad. Now I, I got to go do my first Peter. I, I wish you would. Don't you all want Pritchett to do what I'm doing with Genesis except with First Peter? But listen. If, uh, if you haven't seen any of them, there's four videos. Watch four videos. one a week and then by the end of four weeks i should have the next thing yeah and uh but but uh i'm gonna pick that up i'm more week. proud of the genesis uh proud proud in a good way for what i'm God's super proud done. um I, well, you know there's two I'm kinds glad of pride there's, Moses there's wrote good that. proud and <laughs> pride and there's bad pride bad pride good bad bad pride is something you just did yourself and you're arrogantly proud of it good pride is when you're proud of something god did for you or through you so i'm proud of my wife um, but that's not a bad thing. I'm proud that God provided me this wife. Right? Yeah. So I, I'm proud of the Genesis series um, more than anything else on this channel. So, but anyway, um, all right. So let's uh, let's jump. Well, it's right. not that good, but I mean, we've had some good episodes. That that one where we colored. Yeah, the coloring episode yeah, is that's great. up there. With oh, and we have another one coming up. You'll like that. Yeah. It's going to be on Trinity Radio Extra. If you've not subscribed to our second channel, there's a link in the description. Go subscribe to Trinity Radio Extra. Don't do it now. Do it later. All right, so let's or jump open into another this. browser and multitask. Let's do. Let's let's get into this. So, uh, in most of my debates, Doctor Pritchett, there is something that I. Oh, why did I say that? Or I wish I'd said this. That was not the case in the Matt Dillahunty debate. I was thoroughly pleased with how that went, and in this one, it's almost true. But there is one thing that really bugs me about this debate, about my performance, and it has nothing to do with anything technical. It has to do with the fact that I used a filler word way too much. And that word was the word feature. If you listen to this, we don't endorse drinking games or anything of the sort, but it would be a train wreck. Let me just show you what I mean. That's the principal feature there. And so that's an important feature. Oh. So I think that's an, an important feature to keep in mind. Yeah. Free will is an important feature Okay, right there. I'm sorry, Justin, but but that is a very important feature. Now, I'm glad you did that before someone else did <laughs> yeah, that. I, mean. right. <laughs> I, I looked at that. I was like, "Oh man, come on, man." Uh, but anyway, uh, I don't know where that came from. I, I don't think I do that sort of thing on Trinity Radio. Maybe a little bit of the nerves. I, I don't. I don't. But anyway, uh, hey, so, you were debating Dan Barker on Unbelievable, yeah, yeah. so I mean, I might say the fine. word feature a few yeah. times, right? Um, so, uh, but let's get into it. So, when we talk about what's happening in this debate, obviously, Dan wrote a book, uh, Free Will Explained, and the the point of it is that he's going to show um, that you can believe in what he calls scientific determinism. Most of us would call philosophical determinism, but determinism nonetheless. And you could still have a sort of free will. It's just that you don't look, you look at it from a different perspective. You don't look at it as something metaphysical that's going on, but rather you look at it as a social convention. We speak as though we have free will. And, and in any given moment, we feel like we have free will. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that was the point of his book. This was, um, I think, you know, that, well, let's just play a couple of clips here. Yeah, there you go. Right. There you go. And and that is the book that, that came out, um, Free Will Explained. I mean, it, it's it's a fairly bold title. You know, people have been trying to explain free will for a long time. Uh, and you, you say you have explained it and you come to an interesting conclusion, which is that, no, it doesn't exist. But we should embrace the illusion that we do have free choice. 
Yeah. So as Ewan McGregor says there, it looks as it, the, the point of the book is that it, it appears. <laughs> it does have that going on. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, as Ewan McGregor, the famous host of Unbelievable, has just said, this is a lofty claim that um, that you've explained free will. Right? This is a big issue that um, I think that. Uh, oh, what's the guy's name? There, there's a famous uh, philosopher. Um, that says nothing really, no real advancement in free will has happened in philosophy in, in like a hundred years or something. But, um, but, but here's Dan kind of responding to that. You have to be conscious in order to make a free will decision. Oh, I think wait, free will no, no, no. is a this social. Is not, this is not Dan responding to this. First of all, uh, let me say something about this. This claim that he has explained free will is, is made by Shermer in the forward to the book. Here's what Michael Shermer says. In so doing, Barker has essentially eliminated the problem of free will and determinism. There is really nothing to resolve. Sure, if you just say free will is an illusion, there's no free will, then it so, is resolved. Yeah, what what he's what he's saying is that uh, what what he's okay. So by the way, Chris Tate says that he's doing a thing on free will today. Uh, Chris Tate is a, a determinist, well, compatibilist. Christian. That's a determinist. Yeah, that's a determinist Christian. At least he know there's there unlike a lot of Calvinists who yeah. don't know those are the same things. Yeah. He actually knows those yeah. are the same things. But thing. he's also a professor at Trinity and yeah. uh wonderful beloved friend. And he's gonna be dealing with the free will thing and the theological issues, responding to another Trinity professor, Leighton Flowers. So hey, you can go check that yeah, out. Yeah, because they don't go back and forth all the time for hours on unbelievable. <laughs> just hours. But and but hours. and they've been on unbelievable together, yeah. Yeah, and mm -hmm. on uh, soteriology 101 for yeah. a really, really long conversation, like, like they always are. Yeah, so, so yeah, he says he's a determinist. Yeah. So, um, so this is not maybe the smoothest live episode ever, but hey, when you got people in the chat, that's just how it goes. Just roll with it. Just sit back, get some uh, milked up coffee, and, and, and we'll go. Or some um, sparkling water from... But Kroger. so he claims to have solved this, but really what he's doing is he's presenting compatibilism. But it, it is presented as though it's something new. In fact... In the debate, one thing that could have caused a little bit of confusion for some that might not be as familiar with what compatibilism is, compatibilism is the notion that determinism is true. Uh, so you don't have free will in the libertarian sense that you that you that nothing external to you determines your actions or that um, you could have done other than whatever you ended up doing. But but rather um, that you can still use the language of free will because in the moment it seems real and free and all that. And you know, theological determinists might shape this up a little differently. I'm talking about Barker here. So um, so anyway, but but here but but, but this is like supposed to be. I don't know if he means for this like to be a new thing or something because he calls himself an a compatibilist is I'm not a compatibilist. I'm an A-compatibilist. And the reason he calls himself an A-compatibilist is because, the, because I think he takes compatibilism to give the impression that there is something, that there's this struggle between libertarian freedom and determinism. But of course, compatibilists who are philosophically minded know that that's not what compatibilism is at all. Compatibilism is, no, determinism's true. Yeah. But we terminologically use the language of freedom for various reasons. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Let's play the clip where he responds about that, that I started. You have to be conscious in order to make a free will decision. I think free will is a social construct, not a scientific construct. But you mean compatibilistic free will, right, Dan? No, I mean the illusion of free will. I think this free will that right. we have, it, 
and I don't even use the word compatibilist for myself. I use the word acompatibilist because to say that you're a compatibilist means you're agreeing that there's a tug of war between these two opposite points of view. No. When it's not this way, it's this way. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a flipping of perspective. And so it's, you, you can fight forever about this and you're never going to come to an agreement because you're looking at different logical levels, trying to pretend like you're, you're fighting like this. And so both sides make good points. And, and I agree with the hard determinists that libertarian free will is an illusion. But I also agree with the philosophers that the illusion of free will is an important part of what it means to be a human being. Well, just if I could just add real quick, Justin, um, I think it is important to note, though, and this is the confusion that can arise. And I'm not saying we shouldn't accept what you're offering just because there can be terminological confusion. But when you say the acompatibilistic view of free will, when you say you don't have to be conscious to have free will, um, you're talking about the form of free will that you that you present. And I, I know you know this. I just want the audience to understand that's not saying libertarian freedom would be compatible with that. Yeah, so Pritchett, what do, you, what do you think about this? I think Dan's confused about what compatibilism is. Because I mean, because he's saying there's this thing and there's different logical... No, uh, compatibilists assert that there is, it's determinism, but that your free will is insofar as you as an agent acting in the world, you are acting in accordance... Some people will say your strongest motive or desire, whatever. But those are just the outworking of, of uh, prior causes too. But it's mm -hmm. just that you as an agent who are acting, that is free because you're not being constrained from right, right. another person, another agent or, or, or whatever. So, but that is still determinism. Whereas he's saying there's like some sort of tension there between free will, right. but there's no tension in compatibilism because free will is not being defined as some sort of libertarian free will. So right. there's no, there, there really is no tension. Yeah, compatibilism, compatibilism says um, that you're free to do whatever you want. Nothing's stopping you. You're right. free to do whatever you want, but um, you're not free to want whatever you want. Right, right? because you, all your wants are determined right. and, and your and your actions, you're just, you're just unconstrained from something. Right. So your actions yeah. flow from your want. Now you can do it. If I, if I, if determinism is true and I want to smack you in the face, I can smack you in the face, which mm -hmm. I wouldn't cause you're stronger than me now. Yeah. But if I, but if I wanted to, I could do that if I wanted well, to. Well, if you got a good enough shot in, I, might I could sucker punch you yeah. maybe. Yeah. But if, if I wanted to, I could do that. Mm -hmm. But if I wanted to, the want is determined and all your actions flow from that want. So it's not like, well, I've got a want here and there's three or four genuine libertarian options. No, no, no. It's not, it's not a restraining. It, it's completely restrained. It's, it's you act according to your will or your want. And your want is determined by brain chemistry and the past history of the universe and all those kind of things. Yeah. So, so it, there's no, it's just determinism. It's just determinism. Uh, but it allows for um, the language of free will and to make sense of what's happening in the moment. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, atheistic, naturalistic compatibilism. So uh, there's no, conf there's nothing there. There's no, there's no tension. He says compatibilism is to accept there's a tension. There's not a tension. Yeah. Uh, so to say, I've got this thing, and I don't know if you would say this new thing that I'm offering that Shermer thinks eliminates the problem of free will and determinism so that there's nothing to resolve and calling it a compatibilism. It's not, this is just compatibilism and it could have confused people. I, I do want to make this clear. Nobody's indicated it has, but for the rest of the debate, I just kept saying compatibilism, compatibilism, and I didn't do it to be a jerk. I just did it because I know this terrain and that's how I talk about it. Right. Which I mean, he, he, he just didn't seem like he knew 
what was meant by free will on compatibilistic terms because he kept saying, well, I don't, I don't want that because he didn't like but that's libertarian free will. Yeah, because he didn't like libertarian free will. So even on his thing, he doesn't understand compatibilism and the illusion of free will. I think compatibilists could agree with that, that it doesn't seem like determinism is true in the phenomenological sense of how we experience. And he says in the book that the, the hard right. determinists would say that. Right. So he's just confused all the way down then. Benjamin Handelman gives another $5 and says the live stream not being the smoothest is part of the charm. Yeah. Would remove all the fun. And the unapologetic apologist says you look cute today, Pritchett. Thank you. You know, uh, there's a reason for that. I'm wearing a hipster shirt. This um, is the most comfortable t-shirt I've ever worn in my life. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I like it. And my wife said it new. She picked it up at a like a Goodwill or something for $4, but new is, is a Lululemon it's some sort of athletic shirt or something. And it's like $100. I'm wearing I've a, never worn that kind of. I'm just wearing I don't a even normal. have a sports coat that costs $100. I, I'm wearing a black T-shirt, but it's one that is made of a particular fabric that allows for you to breathe because I have started riding a bicycle to work every day, seven miles. So I'm trying, I'm trying, Pritchett. Yeah. I'm trying. My, okay. my wife thought, thinks I look cute. That's why she buys my clothes for me. So... She uh, thinks I looked cute today, too. So, you're adorable. Now, so, so here, Misty and Stillman both think I look cute today. That's all you need. So yeah, that's um, more than enough. Here's the thing. The, uh, the, there's, a big, there's two big concessions in this debate that Barker makes that I think are significant for the debate and for the whole topic. Okay? Yeah. One of those has to do with science. Now, throughout his book, he just presumes. He never really argues much for determinism. He just presumes mm -hmm. it. But when he does, he always kicks it to science. The scientists have demonstrated that, you know, science is, I mean, there's debates, but, the, but science tells us. But listen to that's this. So, yeah. But listen to this. That's such hand-waving. Well, science Well, but, well but the reason that, that he does that is because, I, I mean, the only reason that, a science, that science would give this to you is Newtonian physics, you know, yeah. and, uh, at the macro level and not talking about quantum stuff, but at the macro level, it seems... Like everything is deterministic. And, and the reason we know that it relates to human freedom, according to these people, is because of experiments like the Benjamin Libet experiments yeah. and things and other experiments like them. And Alfred Mele has a book called Free, How Science or Why Science Hasn't Disproved Free Will. Yeah. And it goes through the whole gamut, all these experiments to show why they all fail. Here's a discussion from the debate where, where that comes up. And I want you to notice the concession. Now, I've cut out part of what Dan says because I want you because it's a long, it'd be like a five-minute clip. I just want you to hear the concession that is made. But when we come to the actual evidence, I know that Dan mentioned this kind of in passing in his book, but Alfred Mealy actually released a book a few years ago called Free, I think it's called Free, uh, How Science Hasn't Disproven Free Will. And in that book, he goes through all of the experiments from neuroscience and everything else that are touted out to try and show that libertarian freedom either is impossible or probably doesn't exist, beginning with the well-known Libet experiments that we could talk about if we wanted to, but many people in interested in this discussion mm. are probably aware. And he shows what's wrong with those things and how they, they each have major problems. And principally put, and I'm trying to be brief here, Justin, but principally put, um, 
if the, even if we were to grant what the experiment is supposed to show, which there are too many problems to, to just grant that anyway, but if we were to grant it, what it would mean is that that particular experiment, Libet or whatever it is, has shown that in certain cases, we have unconscious choices that we make um, that we're not consciously aware of. And so there's, it seems that there's a lack of freedom there. But then there's the grandiose leap to say that that's true of all of our choices, um, which seems really like a, a leap in the dark. So uh, Mele is not adding to the theistic position necessarily at all, but he is raising some good questions. And I think I agree with his uh, criticisms of the uh, Benjamin Libet experience. So first of all, he says the Benjamin Libet experience, which sounds like an amazing uh, science-based rock band, the yeah. Benjamin Libet experience. But uh, I would have made fun of myself, obviously, Mr. Feature over here, right? But I just think that's funny. But, uh, but he meant the Benjamin Libet exper experiment. He agrees. He agrees with Melee. He says he loves Melee's book. That's a huge concession because that's the scientific data that you're pointing to to just presume and presuppose that... Science, science has taken yeah. this off the table. So science is out. Now, I, I, earlier, I didn't play the clip for this, but he had brought up a, a study that I've mentioned several times on Trinity Radio where uh, a, a large number, several thousand philosophers and graduate students in philosophy uh, came out to be overwhelmingly, or not overwhelmingly, but majority compatibilistic. Um, and, and I don't, I mean, I had that on hand. Like I was going to bring it up if he didn't, that study. And that study shows that, yeah, well, 73% of these people are atheists or something. So um, if you get atheist naturalists together, what are you going to find out? Oh, guess what? They're mostly determinists. Right. But so, if, you're, if you're a Christian, right. you, you believe in libertarian free will. Right. So See, see what I did Well, there? not all Christians. Oh, was that your point? You were taking a stab at Calvinists? I was taking a stab at Chris because oh, he's I got here. Christians, we believe in free will. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but, but here's the thing. The, the point is, so philosophy isn't necessarily on the table here. Because there's actually more, if I remember correctly from the study, there's actually a higher percentage of those philosophers who affirm libertarian freedom than affirm hard determinism, although there was more than both that affirm compatibilism. But it's just relevant to say, so philosophy, you can't just claim philosophy here. Science, you've, you've just agreed about the scientific data. What have we got here? Yeah. What have we got? So I, I don't think, uh, so that was a major concession, I think, in, That's not in the, the debate. Biggest concession in the well, they're just taking science. My, off okay, the table. yeah. But but here's here's the thing about that. What what did Melee basically say? Now I think I said this in the debate or somewhere recently, but I'll say it real briefly here. There's a lot that Melee had problems with about the Benjamin Libet experience, and there was a lot. <laughs> that, there's a lot that Melee had problems with about the similar ones, the other scientific. But one thing that seemed a commonality across most of these uh, scientific experiments was that what the experiment was meant to show, it, it, what this experiment was meant to show is that, um, you, is that there are moments where, you, where decisions are made unconsciously. And if they're made unconscious before you become aware of it, well, then there's no free will. And in the Benjamin Libet experience, the way that happens is, you, is they tell you, try, not, try to just not think about when you're gonna, you know, push the button or however the experiment might be set up in a given uh, iteration of it. And so, and so you're trying not to think you're trying to unconsciously choose, right? That's you're trying to unconsciously choose. So of course that's going to be overwhelmingly what you come up with. And then the grandiose claim that uh, this leap in the dark to say 
Therefore, it looks like there are some unconscious decisions made that you don't have free will over. Therefore, all of your decisions are likely that way. Hold on, what? I'm actually willing to grant that when I go up to a, this is my example I use, when I go up to a double door at a gas station mm-hmm. and, I, and, I, and I grab one of the doors to open, uh, presuming that they would both open, right? Um, I, I'm probably, ru- I'm not running on as robust a libertarian freedom at that moment. I'm just, Some of it's just I, instinct and habit. Yeah, I'm just going with it. It's unconscious. If you're right-handed, you go to the right. Right, yeah. It's not, so I'm fine with that. But that's a big leap to say, so you didn't decide who you were going to marry. Because <laughs> you because you didn't decide about the door, you didn't decide. I mean, that's just come on. That's that's over right. the top, and that's what these exper- experiments and experiences do. All right. So, uh, hey, Santi, uh, or finding truth. Thank you so much. Didn't mean to out you there. Um, love you guys. Free will allows me to be able to love. Amen. Amen. That's an important. That's thing. what we. Think. That's an important feature. Right. We believe that because we're Christians. Yeah. That's an important feature. Those of us who believe in Jesus believe that free will is necessary for true love. We like the nerdy theist, too. He's back again. Right. We like all you guys. All right. So let's move on to uh, uh, this natural free will. Now, this is this is also an important feature. Let Braxton, to, to play devil's advocate, if you, were, if you would, for a moment, if we do live in a universe that, that is entirely a naturalistic universe, a cause and effect, that's all that, that there is, matter in motion effectively, is then um, the denial of free will uh, something you would say, yeah, you, you probably do have to go that way? Um, that... Oh, whoops. I thought I left my answer to that end. But here's, here's the thing. So my original argument for God's existence from libertarian freedom was if God does not exist, libertarian freedom does not exist. Libertarian freedom does exist. Therefore God exists. And I use that in my debate with Matt Dillahunty. Um, but I still, I still, uh, like the argument, um, still think it, it works. But in premise one, uh, basically we're saying if you don't have God, you can't have a libertarian. Free- if God does not exist, libertarian freedom does not exist. And the way I used to defend that there were, there were three lines of reasoning that I used to defend that. One of them was uh, that if God does not exist, then the universe is just a system of cause and effect. But I've actually want to nuance that. You know, I've, I've changed my perspective on that a little bit. Um, because of my study for some of this year, I've read quite a, you know, I've read three books on quantum mechanics and about 14 journal articles. And in the uh, Oxford Handbook on Free Will, it comes up a lot because this is the one place in the physical universe quantum indeterminacy where we think there might be indeterminacy right and so and so um there's still debate about that among physicists but um it certainly looks that way to to uh physicists that it's probabilistic and indeterministic so what i say now is okay maybe there's a way that that could do it naturalistically but if that happens it would be so unlikely so incredibly unlikely that it would be like the greatest teleological argument for God's existence that's ever been because it would be so ridiculously unlikely that we would have some mechanism or some brain development through micro taps into that quantum like level that, that, that amplifies the quantum indeterminacy yeah. to the macro now, level. What, there's a name for that though. That the- well, there's quantum consciousness that, uh, that um, Roger Penrose yeah. and Stu- Stuart Hameroff have done work on. Uh, but, 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 uh, well, quantum free will, you could say, I guess, um, 
but but the quantum indeterminacy when the when the wave function collapses into a superposition, they think that there's some indeterminacy there. Yeah. And so no, that, but there was a guy that that had that idea that when your mind does t tap into it, that those key moments in life. Oh yeah, so uh, so there's the idea that what that you have. Um, that you uh, that you, that that basically there you're not libertarianly free all the time, which is kind of what we said about the doors. You know, maybe yeah. you're not, but but the, but but the, when there's chaos in the brain, his theory is that maybe when there's chaos in the brain where you're really struggling over a serious decision, yeah. that uh, that that amplifies the the quantum indeterminacy, yeah. and then and then that that serves as the and then there wouldn't be there would be indeterminacy in the picture, so you couldn't say it was determined. But but you would have reasons why you did it, whichever thing you did. It's like if if um, if I decided to go if I like if I decided to marry like let's say I had Sarah Hunter and uh, and and then some other girl Jessica. We, well, let's go with Rachel. Rachel sounds like an attractive girl. And so we've got Sarah and Rachel here. It's a biblical. And, and it's a biblical. Yeah, so Sarah. So you're going to marry uh, Sarah first and Sa wait? So I've got Sarah, no, I've got Sarah and Rachel, and I'm trying to decide which one to marry. And let's say there's a lot of stuff going on. And, and I, I have real chaos in my brain about this. That whichever, So there's an indeterminacy that's present so that the determinism is not what's happening here. So whichever one I choose, it was not determinate. It could not be because of the indeterminacy. But whichever one I choose, I will be able to give you reasons because I know about the girls. I'll tell you the reasons, you know, whichever way it goes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that's one possibility that's out there. Yeah. Um, but that actually plays into someone asked me uh, to answer about uh, the principle of sufficient reason and how free will plays into that. So with the principle of sufficient reason, there, there should be a grounding or whatever for events like that, events that take place. And so uh, what the, the way that a free will person, whether they like the quantum consciousness sort of way of doing this or not, however you think we have libertarian freedom, even if you think it's just a direct gift from God and part of being made in the image of God. Um, That's what I think. I, I do too, but I also think that I'm made in the image of God is why my elbow works, but you know what? Um, that's not why you're, but, but, but oh, God designed me, we could say, yes, he but could I, have designed this whole system, but I'm saying, I'm saying because I'm a, uh, substance dualist. Yeah. Like a real Christian. I am too. <laughs> oh, you're shooting at Chris again. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think it's a part of the cosmic chain of dominoes, but the PSR. So what we would say, I really want to answer it because I'll forget. And I told the person, but I'll it's a decent it. naturalistic explanation, which is what they're and shooting it could be for. how yeah. God did it. You know, it could be the way God chooses to do it. But anyway, uh, the answer to that is the, the, like with whichever thing you do, the reason there will be reasons. So like with the chocolate cake or the treadmill mm. uh, tre treadmill, cause I want to look like Channing T or yeah, Channing Tatum's fine. Me. Uh, or you, uh, yeah. you've got too much hair. Jason Statham would be more like <laughs> it. But then, um, or, or, or the, the chocolate cake, because I want the instant gratification. It's like 15 years older than you. And Whichever one I choose, I will be able to give you the reasons, but those reasons aren't the causes. Right. I, it's self-determined. So there is a cause. The self is the cause. So that's, you know. 
there's people giving but the, but us the, money. But the the compatibilists would argue that if what it, whichever one you chose, that was your strongest motive to choose. That's what one. a that's what a determinist. That, would yeah, say. that's the yeah. that's the explanation for why you chose. But that's that. just that's a circular. Yeah, I know. It's a it's a it's a ditch. It gets the, into the what's called the ever. intelligibility problem, yeah. which is it's either arbitrary, or it's determined, but it can't. It, it, there's no middle ground and we would say, well, you can be self-determined and those can be your reasons. And yeah. if you think, well, that doesn't work. Well, I'm just offering as a defeater. I'm not claiming the quantum consciousness explanation is correct. Yeah. Well, well hold on. Let me get this yeah. out. I'm saying that so long as you can imagine something like, let's say indeterminacy that is in the system because of quantum mechanics that amplifies that indeterminacy is not determined, but you will have reasons. Those reasons just don't serve yeah. as the causes. And if you believe in God, God could grant you the indeterminacy at exactly the right moments to make yeah. all this work. without it being random. But right. I mean, if you, if, if, if the, the problem is so easy to refute that, I, I don't know um, why people still bandy about this, this uh, ridiculous strongest motive thing as the causal, re, you know, uh, Even Chris, term, when he was on our show, yeah, said that he didn't buy that. Yeah, because all you've said is the prevailing motive prevails, which is a tautology and gives you no explanatory data whatsoever as to why. It just, you're yeah. just making a baseless statement. So it's that, but then you you, you get into the vicious circular D reasoning of, uh, well, you always choose according to your strongest desire, and the way you know it was your strongest desire is because you chose it because you choose according to your strongest desire and the way you know it was your strongest desire is because you chose it. Then you're just on this ridiculous, vicious circle mouse wheel. And so we could take compatibilism and, and easily and flippantly dismiss it into the trash bin where it belongs, especially when you're uh, talking to other Christian theists. But, you know, with, with this sorry. stuff, when you're talking to atheists, sorry, it's a little Chris. bit more complicated because... Um, Braxton's unlike um, the presupposition. He's willing to get out on the ground level and sit in judgment over God's creation. Stop, <laughs> that. Stop that. No, but you, you, you'll go with what's available and, and try to find in the neutral ground of uh, at least for a significant portion of this debate, it was um, methodological naturalism as the play field, not metaphysical naturalism, but you're, you're, you were, you were going with theism and you were saying, but, but still there could be a naturalistic explanation for, for libertarian freedom as well. So right, you're, you're playing. Two, and honestly, two that, that really that, made so. it, I think I didn't, I thought about putting these clips in, but there were moments where he kept trying to make it that I'm bringing some spiritual ethereal type thing. And I'm like, Nope, I'm not. Yeah. And that was partly to destabilize in the debate, but it's partly because it does serve as a defeater yeah. to the claim. All right. Daniel apologetics gives us five somethings and says, how much is a coffee in USA? If this is not enough for you both share it and keep up the great work guys. Thank you so much. Thank Daniel you. apologetics. We love your channel. Everybody check out his channel. And then, uh, someone asks, do you have any control over ads? Yes. Um, I'm, I've been learning lately. Actually, as Mike Winger told me that, that they, you're, you choose when you upload a video where you want the ads. Like, do you want them all, just one ad at the front? Do you want it to be skip, skippable or not skippable? I always leave them skippable ads, right? At the, right at the front so they don't. But YouTube just like by fiat, put them all throughout all the videos. So what I'm going to have to do is go back through all the videos and like undo that. So I don't know what, I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not us trying to get more money or something. We'd ask you for money. But, yeah. 
We straight, we're Christians. Of course we ask for money. That's, that's so typical uh, of, Drew, of... Drew Beatty says Pritchett Prime. Um, and then uh, there was something else. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Read the first five chapters of the Chronicles. The Ad and I already hooked. Can't wait to continue tonight. Thank you so much, the Unapologetic Apologist. Is that and, the first book? Yeah, that's the first one. And we're actually going to be doing a series on his channel uh, talking about reviewing it. Or maybe it's just one video. I don't know. Mm. But... All right, um, so let's get back to this. Uh, so we talked about your book once. On natural the, free will. Okay, we? Dawkins. Yeah, we the, maybe. the first one. I don't know. Maybe. I think we talked about the first one. I gave my. Let's review. say that free will doesn't exist, but for you, that's not something to get hung up on, um, because as far as you're concerned, we we just embrace the illusion that we do have free will. We just kind of imagine that I could have chosen differently what I had for breakfast this morning. Yeah. Well, even the strictest determinists, even Sam Harris would say that it feels like we have free will to make free choices. It looks like it. Richard Dawkins throws up his hands. I asked Richard if he might want to write a foreword for my book, and he said, no way am I jumping in those waters because it's so – all these experts are fighting. Yeah, so, so he brings up Dawkins, um, and, da and, and da he's – you know, he, this is an illusion. And Dan actually says in his book, there is a difference – between an illusion and a delusion, okay? But what I find interesting, so here's Barker. There's a difference between illusion and delusion. An illusion is rooted in reality, but does not become a reality in the mind. A delusion is not rooted in reality, but becomes a reality, but oh, wait a minute. Uh, let's see where, a delusion is not rooted in reality, but becomes a reality in the mind. Illusions are usually harmless because we recognize them for what they are. Delusions can be dangerous because we don't, we don't recognize their unreality. The title of Richard Dawkins' famous book is The God Delusion, not The God Illusion. Illusions can be useful. I don't see how a delusion could ever be beneficial. Socially true harmonic free will, that's what he calls his a-compatibilism, is an illusion. Libertarian or theological free will is a delusion. Interesting that in the same book, his book, he actually puts a quote from Dawkins. I don't know if he just left this in and says, well, I just disagree with Dawkins or if he missed this. But the biologist, here's Barker or somebody. It might have been, I think it's Barker. It could have been Shermer. No, it's Barker. The biologist Richard Dawkins acknowledged the perplexity I have a materialist view of the, oh, this is, this is, this is Dawkins. I have a materialist view of the world. I think that things are determined in a rational way by antecedent events. That commits me to the view that when I think I have free will, when I think that I'm exercising free choice, I'm deluding myself. Mm. That's a delusion. He's deluding. I, I, you know, Barker could just say, yeah, that's what, that's what Dawkins thinks. But it's interesting that he uses Dawkins to make a point about the difference between illusion and delusion. And then Dawkins says that this is a delusion. Yeah, you, you don't see the problem in, in that statement from Dawkins. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I have a obvious. no, I have a materialistic view of the world. Period. I think that things are determined in a rational way by antecedent events. Period. You don't see the problem staring you in the face about a materialistic world that, that rationally... everything he just wrote was determined. <laughs> well, and that 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 everything is determined in a rational way by antecedent event, events. Uh, Benjamin, what is it about the materialistic world that antecedent events are rationally organized? I know you're right. I mean, staring you—he does this all the time. You know, it, it's it's the, well, the way these not a evolutionary biologists always use, you know. Well, you know, it, it kind of created, they use creation language all the time, you know, the way it was created. 
Oh. Uh, apologetic squared. I, I did answer that. If you go back like 10 minutes. Um, all right. Benjamin Handelman says, this should be enough for Pritchett to get a hipster coffee to go with his hipster shirt. Thank you so much, ben Benjamin Handelman. Um, Sweet. I, you know, there was another thing. I, th I'm telling you, there is a difference between like this t-shirt that I'm wearing and t-shirts I've worn all my life. This one is like way better. So he, so I want to read a quote from uh, Barker's book. If you can come up with a better phrase than free will, go for it. Because he wants to hold on to free will as an A-compatibilist, which is a compatibilist. Um, for now, I like harmonic free will because it keeps the phrasing phrase while modifying it. It's saying, this is what Barker says his position is saying. It's saying, really, but not really. The sun is rising, but not really. It, it's real, but it's not real. But, but to unpack this more, he's saying, and remember, Barker says that free will is one of the most meaningful parts of being a human being. But it's fake. Because here's what he says. We are reality. If we say we are free, then within our social framework, we are indeed free. Maybe this is just an as if, but that's where we live our social lives. We live as if marriage means something, as if a $100 bill is worth more than a $1 bill. We live as if the human species is worth preserving. We live as if people are morally accountable for their actions. And since there is nothing else above and beyond reality, then there is nothing or nobody to tell us that our as if is meaningless. So you, you're, you're accepting as a part of this position that you just have to live as if the human species is worth preserving. Right. Well, what it, this is this is just atheism, just, right? Because yeah. we're saying we're, we as a society are going to play God here because— as Christians, for example, you believe that your marriage to Sarah is more than a piece of paper and some, you know, legal sharing of property, right? Um, I hope. Maybe you don't. But you do believe that, right? That was Say it again. I said you do believe that your marriage to see this is why you should pay attention because well, I'm reading. The I hope Sarah chat. watches this. No. And she's like, no, wait, no, Braxton, no. you better answer no. yes. Just because of that, hold it. The nerdy theist, here, okay. we like him, okay. says for a pumpkin cream cold brew at Starbucks, what's the best response you've heard to you can't rationally affirm determinism if determinism is true? The, the, the best response I've heard to that is not great. It's, yeah, I haven't. It's, there's two. There's one, we are aware of deterministic systems that get you to correct answers, like a calculator. Well, that's fine, but... If the calculator could be self-aware, it would have to admit it has no justification for believing that its very correct answers are actually correct because it couldn't choose, right, what to affirm. Right. So, so that, that's, that's problem number one. Um, and, and the idea is we, st we actually do believe that you can, if determinism is true, you could get correct, you could say correct things. You just would have no justification for rational. Right, affirming. because you came to the correct thing in the same way someone else came to the incorrect belief that they're a pink unicorn. Right, that's right. It's just so so that's that's one. The other one is uh, well, you can verify it by checking with other people or by observing experiments and repeating everything and to see if it's true. The problem is that the the very thing that you're using to assess what other people are telling you mm -hmm. and what the experiment shows you has been undercut by the very process of reason that we're here to try and demonstrate. Yeah. It becomes viciously circular. And to illustrate this really well, two scientists who have the same pedigree and the same everything and more or less the same beliefs and understandings about the science they're dealing with can observe the same experiment and come to two slightly different positions. 
And they were both just determined to take the position that they take if right. determinism is true. So back well, we to, are going to come back yeah. to that in just a few minutes. So but back thank to you for back to Barker's about. atheism. There's nothing or nobody to tell us that our as if is meaningless because mainly because you're placing humans at the top of the intellectual chain, right. you know, and there is no God. So you believe that your marriage to Sarah is more than just a legal document and some property sharing, right? Yes, but I believe that partly because I believe in two things. One, objective morality, and yeah. two, God. Right. And so— Because and I think so a for, vow, a contractual vow right. uh, or covenant, that's what marriage is. It's right. like the only covenant we still observe so, nationally. So if God doesn't exist, if you had— Then it's a convention. Aff- yeah, if you had an affair, it, mm-hmm. it really— it doesn't mean anything because your marriage doesn't really mean anything. We just live as if it did. Right. Um, but there's really no reason for Sarah to get her feelings hurt. It's just your matter went and did intertwined with other matter instead of that matter. Boy, that right? sounded romantic. Well, I mean, but that's, well, that's atheism <laughs> romance for you, right? And some chemicals fired off in your brain, different ones. So, but we as Christians, we believe that like, if you like marriage is real in a real sense to where if you, have a real covenant and then you did commit adultery you have violated a law in the heavens we'll say. you violated your covenant right it's a covenant before god right and there's going says to what god is i mean we, right. we say about we we picture that as that we we have created we have we have vowed a vow in the name of god that no man shall right. put asunder so on atheism marriage is meaningless except for we'll just pretend it isn't because nobody can say we can't have our delusions or illusions or whatever you want to call it but as christians it's just a difference of worldview because we have to we believe that there, that your marriage is actually a real covenant it, it goes beyond paper it goes beyond yeah, it goes beyond legal See, property. That this you, is ultimately yeah. the thing. And Andy, Andy, someone who works here at Trinity, uh, wanted me to drive this home. And he thought that at the end of the debate, I did kind of when I was wrapping up that, look, here's the thing. If Christianity is true and perhaps some other theisms, but specifically Christian theism here, if Christian theism is true, guess what? You feel like you're free because you're free. Yeah. You feel like you're morally responsible because you're morally responsible. You feel like your relationship with your spouse represents something transcendent because it does. All, all of these things are real. They represent something. Re- you don't have to, well, it's not real, but we're going to pretend that it's real. It and, no one, and no one can tell us it's not real, even though we know it's not real. That's what right. There's nobody there to tell us it's meaningless, so we'll just, yeah, we'll we, just pretend. Those things, that, and notice, these are not, these are not like... These are not just like sideshows to your life as a human being. These things that on atheism you have to pretend are real yeah. to have any meaning in life at all, those things that Barker is saying, just pretend, and we're going to get to that in a moment. Those things are not just sideshows. Those are the most important thing. The things you're most sure are real in life. Yeah. And those are the things that, no, they're fake. That's that's probably yeah, Go home and tell your spouse that your relationship's fake. See how that goes. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Uh, let's go to the next one. Racial hater. A cruel thing. Uh, if we say, look, we we know that this is all determined and that the, 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 the racial hater who commits the violent act 
um, really couldn't have done otherwise. It's really not his fault. But you know what? Um, we, we're going to pretend that it is and hold him responsible. And this will be the most difficult thing I've said so far. And I, I can tell that, Dan, you and I are developing such a wonderful relationship here. And uh, I, I don't want to throw a punch too soon. <laughs> but I do want to say that if you're the kind of person out there who's listening who would say something like, that racial hater who commits a violent act could have done otherwise. He didn't have to do that according to the laws of nature, well, then you believe in libertarian freedom like I do. But if, you're, if you believe in determinism, you're going to have to say that was determined and it really wasn't on some level, it wasn't up to him. And I think that's an important way to find out kind of where you stand on this. It's an important feature, right? Um, here, here's the thing. I said in the debate, on some level, it wasn't up to him. Actually, it just, it wasn't up to him. It was not, it was, um, it was determined when the racial mm -hmm. hater commits the violent racial act. It's just a racist act. It's just, it's just, it's just, he couldn't help it. He felt like he could help it. So he might've felt guilty after the fact, but he couldn't help it. Now here's the thing. Pritchett actually, Pritchett prime of all people told me not to use this example because he thought it was too hot given the cultural climate right now. But here's the thing. It, it, it makes it so stark. Think about what's going on in America right now. Think about the, the stuff related to race that's happening. This is exactly the right moment to make this point. If you believe that determinism is true, then you have to say that what's really going on is when a racial, a racist act takes place, the individual could not have done otherwise. And his beliefs, he could not have believed otherwise. If you think that he could have done otherwise or could have believed otherwise and is thus actually morally responsible and culpable, then you believe in libertarian freedom. Am I wrong? Not to me. The reason I didn't want you to use it, I was scared you'd mess it up. And say something bad. Well, I mean, you're a southern white guy. So, no, I mean, you know, uh, and, and I think that's a, that if, if you're out there, I mean, how in the world can you today with what's going on not see it? Now, I, I have had at least one person in the comments somewhere said something like, all Hunter is doing is appealing to consequences, right? This is logically fallacious. Look how bad it would be. If I'm wrong, you never said it was, that's bad. not what I'm, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is it's the other way around. It's like Craig does with the moral argument. It's no, you know, you know that the racial hater could have done otherwise. Yeah. You feel it in your bones. You intuit it, not how bad it would be if it was you, you intuit this same with rational affirmations. You know, you can have rational, justifiable Affirmation. Now, there's a difference between claims. using extreme examples and then appealing to the right. you know, the moralistic fallacy. And just, right. I mean, that's what philosophers use extreme examples all the time. Torturing babies for fun. And right. And my else. point is, not, since you know that it's wrong to torture babies just for the fun of it, right. with the moral argument, or in this case, you know that the racial hater is morally culpable and didn't have to do that, because you know that you can make rationally justifiable knowledge claims, therefore, libertarian freedom. That's this counts in favor, at least, of libertarian freedom. It's not an appeal to emotion or consequences or something like yeah. that. It is. It, it does pack an emotional punch. 
won't apologize for that. Guess what? The problem of evil that atheists bring packs an emotional punch. And I feel the force of that emotional punch. But I understand they're not making an appeal to emotion. Right. Right. All right. Let's. Uh, but I, I thought that was an important feature of this debate. All right. This is one. This was. So we saw the science concession. Mm-hmm. Here's another concession that I thought was pretty big. I knew that he believed this, but I actually somewhat appreciated that he just said it. So here we go. Perhaps a convention like this is a pretense. We're pretending as though uh, it's as if, I mean, that sounds like we're saying we're pretending that this is true. And to say that it's one of the most meaningful parts of being human but we're just pretending because it makes us feel good or makes society function better. Sounds more like what atheists typically say to Christian folk. And it, it maybe it's a pretense, but what's wrong with pretending it because it does work. There's no harm in us agreeing about uh, is, the value is, of things. It, what's the problem with pretending? What's the problem? I, I mean, obviously that's his position. Embrace the illusion, right? Yeah. Pretend that it's real, but he said it. I, I just was impressed that he just, gritted his teeth and said it. Yeah, we're, it's a, we're pretending it's pretend. And here's the thing that I put together that I think is important to this is you're saying that one of the most important or meaningful things about being a human is just pretend it's just make believe. And then, and then atheists have the gall to say to Christians, you guys know, you know, deep down, you're just talking to your uh, buddy in the sky, sky daddy, your, sky, your, 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 yeah. your, your uh, imaginary friend, but you're just pretending cause it makes you feel good. And you think it makes your life go better. Okay. What's going on here is it's not real, but we're going to pretend that it's real because it makes us feel good. And it makes our, maybe See, the difference is though, is that we don't pretend. We don't that, pretend. We actually right. believe it, but they're, they're, they're going to pretend that what they know is false is true. That's the problem. Yeah. That's intellectual. It's, it's, you can't, it's unlivable. That's, that's right there. When you talk about, is your worldview livable or unlivable? Well, you've already conceded that it's not livable. So you're going to, you're going to embrace you're, it. You're going to, imb- you're, you're going to pretend that it's livable, even though you know, it isn't Yeah, You, you, that's a good point that it's that everything I say is a good point. Oh, Why are you that out? That's true. But the, um, one of the worldview tests, like if you get Douglas Grutthaus's Christian apologetics, uh, Christian apologists are not, the fanciest with their titles, Michael Icona, the resurrection of Jesus, Norman Geisler, Christian apologetics, Douglas Grutthaus, Christian apologetics. But anyway, um, uh, if you get that, you'll see all the worldview tests. This is just stuff that like when you're, when you're assessing worldviews, um, one of them is livability. Can you live as though what you're stating is true? And, um, uh, and, and uh, this doesn't pass the livability test. Uh, let's see. We have, uh, I try not, I'm not just doing, um, super chats, but, but when I see him, I feel like I definitely have to pretending is not possible without free will. That's right. He has to freely choose to pretend. Yeah. Right. Um, and if he's determined to pretend, what good does he think he's going to do trying to convince you to pretend if you're determined, you'll pretend to, if you're not, then you won't. It's just the way it is. So he's determined. Well, if you're determined, then you're determined to believe that free will is false and determined to pretend it's true anyway. 
Uh, Matthew says, Matthew says, uh, what was the definition of delusion given earlier? Something not in reality that is thought or acted as if it was in reality. Yeah, something like that. Let's see. So a delusion is not rooted in reality, but it becomes a reality. Whereas an illusion is rooted in reality, but it doesn't you, it doesn't become a reality in your mind. So, so, so the way he's applying this to free will is. If you think reality is, if you think reality has libertarian free will, that's the delusion, right? But because we see that it seems like this—that's the seems like people are making a choice to pick up the bottle as opposed to not pick up the bottle. As long as in your mind you know that you couldn't do any otherwise, it's a illusion which is not harmless because it's not reality in your mind. But if you think that libertarian free will is true according to dan barker and you think that you really could have done otherwise than pick this up and wave it on camera that's where it's a delusion and so as long as in your mind it doesn't become a reality even if it appears to be a a function of reality then it's an illusion but if it's um something that you think is a reality in your mind that's a delusion yeah, and so someone says here, let's see, Kenneth Gee or G says, I know you're on here a lot, so forgive me for not getting your name right one of those ways, um, says, yes, it is called cognitive dissonance, and I made that point a long time ago. You did at the top of the show I saw where he said, so he's doing cognitive dissonance. Yeah, it is cognitive dissonance because cognitive distant dissonance is the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially relating to behavioral decisions. I bet it's Gee. Uh, but when I think of cognitive dissonance, I think more of someone who knows that they've got a problem here and just kind of, I'm not going to think about that too much. Yeah. Whereas Barker is embracing it yeah. is, is this is inconsistent, but I'm just, let's just go with it. Um, I mean, there is a consistency to it. He's saying it's not real, but we're going to pretend like it is. So he's functioning inconsistently, even if his beliefs are sorted out there. It's, 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 um, I think he'd be okay with that. Um, all right, la last thing, and we've already kind of hit toward this. Braxton was putting the challenge to you there, Dan. Um, imagine I am being completely controlled by a mad scientist. Everything I say, think, all, all of my beliefs. Um, you, we, we wouldn't expect to have any justification for being confident in the things I say and do on that basis. And, and he asked, well, why, how is it any different on the fact that we're determined by a process completely outside of ourselves on a but sort of on a cosmic scale if you like that that brings us to the expanding truth by the way i'll forget if i don't say it now sorry you and mcgregor but um i did get your emails thank you place um so so what what do you have to say to that and and then i'll just let you two guys go at it for a while so if you don't know that, that you're being controlled by a mad scientist you don't know that you think you're making your own decisions right same thing with determinism whether you know it or not you think you are and you you know, you, you know, now the nerdy theist asked a while ago, what, what kind of a response have you heard to this? So basically what I've done is Tim Stratton's, uh, mad scientist thing, right? That's what I pressed him on is. So you, let's just say you found out that a mad scientist was controlling all your thoughts, all your beliefs, including what you're thinking right now. And the next words are going to come out of your mouth. Are you justified? Do you, are you justified in claiming to know any particular thing? Because you, the mad scientist is controlling what you think you know, right? right? You're not just. And it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong about the beliefs that you have either, because mm -hmm. you can right. you can you can be determined to a right answer. 
uh, or a wrong answer. I'm a pink unicorn. Two plus two is four. However right. you came to those conclusions, the same determinant. So it doesn't matter. The question is, are you rationally justified in believing that if you're controlled by a mad scientist? Yeah. And, um, and, 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 and so nerdy theist asked me, what's the best response to that, that you've heard? Mm -hmm. Well, here's Dan's response. At least the first thing that I, well, Dan did go on to say you could, t you could do tests and all that, but we've already responded to that. Yeah. But the first thing that he says is, well, if the person doesn't know that's true, then they don't know. So as if to say, because they don't know that this process of determinism is, or of the mad scientist is taking place, they can be justified in their knowledge claims. But I specifically asked him, would, do, would we think that they have justified knowledge claims? Because right. we do know. Because yeah. that's what's going on here. Dan is claiming to know, or claiming, or at least he believes, that determinism is true for human beings. He's claiming that determinism is happening to him. That yeah. the, but there's no mad scientist. It's just nature. But it's like the mad scientist in that whatever you believe, you're just determined to believe. So his answer seems at first to be, but if, but if people don't know that, then they're justified to have knowledge claims because they don't know that they can't have justified knowledge claims. I mean, that's a major problem, I think. You know, that, that didn't sound like a, you know, I, when I was listening to it, I was going to jump in, but he, he went on to say some other things. So we, it went a different way. Um, but yeah, I, but it's here's the thing. I know that he knows this because in his book, he says this about hard determinists. And what he means when he says hard determinists is people who are not compatibilists, but who don't <coughs> think we should use the language of free will. He says hard determinists do act as if they are free to jump in and contribute to the debate. They say they are materialistic machines, but act as if their writing was freely chosen. If some of us decide their conclusion, listen to this. If some of us decide their conclusions are unwarranted, that shouldn't bother them. If it was predetermined that they would write their books, it was also predetermined that I would accuse them of creating a false dichotomy. If some of us are truly unable to follow their good arguments, then don't blame us. We were predestined not to get it. The debate should be, in their minds, intrinsically unimportant. But we know it isn't. Our dialogue is immediately important. We all treat each other as free agents, which is how conscious tribal animals operate in a moral society. So he's, he's accusing hard determinists of a problem that hits compatibilists too, or a-compatibilists, or people with harmonic free will, all the things that he's using to refer to compatibilism. This hits him too. And it's the very issue that I'll raise in the debate is whatever you're determined to believe, if you're determined to buy someone's argument or not, and even their writing out of the argument in a book, it's all determined. This is the problem. Yeah. And it's in his book. Or to burn churches down, yeah. or not burn churches down. Well, it shouldn't bother you. I mean, they were just predetermined to do it, and you know. Now, there's there's one thing else that I want to cover before we kind of wrap this yeah, put, up. Put put moral language in there as a replacement, and it's awful, right? <laughs> you right. know, right? So, uh, so we we did talk a little bit about God, but I think that my comments in the debate were were clear enough that we don't need to talk about that anymore. I think that it was clear. He didn't respond. He has this argument, Fang the free will argument for the non-existence of God. He's used it a lot. I've heard it in all kinds of his debates. And I've always thought that would be something I'd like to talk to him about. So um, he brought it. I responded to it. And there was no response. Now, I'm going to be fair to him because I'm sh he perhaps could have talked about that with me longer. 
but Justin kind of said, hey, he has a way of moving the show. Yeah, along, Justin you know? kind of. So, so I don't, Justin said, if you're okay with letting that go, Dan, so it's not Dan's fault, but I did respond to that. And I think that what I said was clear. Um, but there's something else in his book about God kind of that I think could be brought out here. And, uh, that is, he says, he's talking about how, when you're looking at cause and effect, you have to almost, and he said this in the debate, draw a box around the events you're talking about, uh, because otherwise you're going to get into like this infinite regression of causes and all this kind of thing. And so he says, while macro determinism is certainly true because of entropy, Determinism can't be true in an ultimate sense because every macro cause, by which he means not quantum mechanics type stuff, every macro cause is itself an effect. A first cause would have been a first effect. That is incoherent. A prime mover or creator God is a meaningless concept that simply begs the question. There can't be an absolute cause of anything, but there are certainly immediate causes. We have to specify a stopping point or beginning point, approximate cause. In other words, you got to draw a box around what you're talking about, a sufficient explanation, and be satisfied with that. We also have to identify so, so a he, frame of reference. He believes in an infinite regress. He seems to be saying there's an infinite regress. And that is has its own problems, so don't think about it. I can't but help can't, not but, think about it but because it's like staring you in the face with this gibber. But you this, can't this have you can't have a, a first cause. He says because that cause would be an effect of something. It would else. have to be an effect of That's something a, else, which is to presume libertarian freedom isn't possible to begin with. Well, it's also to, then he, he wants to talk about God or Creator, or Prime Mover, or whatever else. And he, I guess he believes in a past infinite universe, right? What he has to, I think he doesn't want and, to say. And and there can't be a first cause that it, what what he thinks is that. Every cause is an effect of a prior cause, which is an effect of a prior cause. So every cause is also an effect of, of right, something. Right, right, right. And so he thinks, he thinks that a first cause from an atemporal being like God would be problematic compared to an infinite regress. Exactly. He doesn't say for sure which way he goes. He he says God's and, off the and, table. And and let's um. Well, okay, never mind. The thing the thing is that's a. The, the thing is, it's. I'd like, love for William Lane Craig to. Well, it's like <laughs> rip that one. Yeah, we don't need William Lane Craig. No, I know. I I'm, did here. Yeah, no. I'm here. I'm <laughs> here. No, I'm just saying that would be funny to watch. <laughs> no, it would. Yeah, William Lane Craig. But, but no, what's what's happening? Just read the paragraph. <laughs> that would be here's funny. What, here's what's happening. He realizes I need to say something about this issue. Mm-hmm. We have a chain of causation. What he wants to say is quit looking at the pat. Only look at a particular instance because then we can make sense out of it. Because if you start looking back, this is what it seems to me. If I'm misinterpreting, I'm sorry. Then you got a couple of problems here. Either it's an infinite regression or you end up with a first mover. And we can't have a first mover. That's contradictory because it would be a cause without an effect or, a, or an it effect would be without a, a cause. Right, yeah. And, and so, so we can't go. No, what you're seeing, I think, is go with it. Go with it. If you go with this, what you realize is you cannot have an infinite past. That's off the table. You have to have an uncaused cause. That's right. And that if you have an uncaused cause. Chris knew what he was talking about. It's nothing new. But guess what else in turn? And Chris Date agreed with me about this because he thinks that God had something like libertarian freedom. It also means that libertarian freedom is true for at least that first cause. Because if there's a first cause that is not subject to determinism itself, mm-hmm. 
And it's not arbitrary because in a timeless state, you can't have arbitrary random things happening. And there's no determinism. What's left? Libertarian freedom. Yeah. What sort of things have libertarian freedom? Smart Calvinists know Minds that, do. Yeah. Personal agents do. Right. So this gets you God and it gets you libertarian freedom using the situation that Dan brings out yeah. in Dan's own book. Calvinists who deny God having libertarian free will because they think God's nature is God's God or something dumb like that, um, they, they, that leaves them with God having no choice, but he, ha he couldn't have not created which makes the cosmos necessary, not continue. It's yeah. So don't bite that Paul Helm bullet, because I think he bites that bullet. Yeah. And by the way, God's nature is not God's God. So quit trying to think that there's God stuff and then God. So well, get, folks, get out of that kind of thinking, too. I appreciate you all being here. Yeah. Um, I, I guess we can kind of wrap this up, especially since, oh, 10 minutes ago, Mike Winger started, and we lost about... 30 people, I think, or 40. So No, we, we just got boring. <laughs> that's why they went. Maybe that's... I know this was not boring. This was a good episode. And I appreciate all of you being here. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank you for... Hey, if you're not a subscriber, subscribe. Please just do that for us. Yeah. It doesn't really cost you anything. Um, and, and subscribe and, to Trinity Radio Extra. Become a patron. Come yeah. audit courses at Trinity College of the Bible Theological Seminary. You can catch us at trinitysim.edu. Check out our sister podcast, uh, Theopologetics with Chris Date, which is on tonight later, going to be smacking Leighton Flowers around because they always do that, you know. Uh, Bible Bro Down with Matt Chisholm and Billy Winland. Um, the Narrow Path with Steve Gregg. And then, of course, us. And get ready because coming up very soon, I think it's the 16th, is a debate between Chris Date and Steve Gregg. It's going to be awesome. That will be awesome. And we'll see you next time on Trinity Radio. Thank you to everyone who gave us super chats. We don't deserve it, but thank you for giving it well, to us. Well, I soon. do, but so thank you.